Fans, it's Matt Warren, editor in chief at buffalorumlings.com and the host of Buffalo Rumlings QA on the Buffalo Rumlings Podcast Network. I wanted to remind you before we get going here that you can send in your questions for next week's episode in addition to lots of future weeks by calling our voicemail line at 716 508 You can tweet us at Rumlings QA. That's with the word and spelled out in the middle. Email us, buffalorumblings at sbnation.com. Facebook and Instagram messages to our official Buffalo Rumblings account will eventually make their way to me via Danielle. It really makes the show much more interesting when we get your questions so that we can tackle a variety of subjects. This week, I put out a call for salary cap questions as we are approaching the month of June. You know, all the questions you wanted to ask about the salary cap, either the bills moving forward, the bills moving backwards. Uh, I was even thinking that, you know, some people might ask about things like um, proration and contract restructures and all that other stuff. And you all delivered. Uh, We've got some great salary cap questions to dive into this week. Before we do that, let's set the stage, though, with where the Buffalo Bills are on their salary cap right now. In the offseason, and this is one of the questions I get a lot, in the offseason, only the top 51 contracts count towards the salary cap number. So right now, the Buffalo Bills have roughly $5 million in available cap space. But when you take that into account, that only 51 players are on that number, as soon as the Bills move to the 53-man roster, they're going to have to add two more players to that number at the tune of roughly a million dollars each. Plus, if a player goes on to injured reserve, you're going to have to count that and sign a replacement. So the Buffalo Bills really don't have a lot of wiggle room right now. They're closer to about $3 million in actual top 53 cap space. Now, that's, again, not what the NFL uses in the offseason, but Brandon Bean has talked about it already, is that that's how he approaches this part of the offseason. He usually doesn't go right up against the salary cap now because he knows that the end of August it's going to go up when they add more players to the roster or at least more players to the salary cap calculation. So that's why I think a Bills contract restructure is coming soon. Um, Last year they did a Stephon Diggs restructure on June 1st. That lines up with this week. Uh, June 1st is Wednesday. So it wouldn't surprise me at all to see the Bills do a contract restructure in the very, very near future. There's two players that that actually makes sense with. Um, Tredavious White and Deion Dawkins. Trey White, if they restructure his contract um, and do just a standard restructure where they spread it out over the remaining years of his current deal, would save them about $6.7 million on the cap this year. Uh, We know he's going to be here for the long term, so it doesn't really hurt them long term. It just shifts the money into future years when hopefully the salary cap is going to keep going up. So they could also add a void year on the end. Trey White has four years left on his deal. Adding a void year would be able to spread it out over five years, um, and that would create about $8 million in cap space. So they could do either of those things um, depending on 
on what they wanted to do. Um, I think at this point in the offseason where they're at right now, just the standard restructure makes sense, um, allowing them to keep some of that money in the 2022 salary cap. For Deion Dawkins, that standard restructure would be $4.7 million in savings. Um, it would take um, $7 million and stretch it over three years of the deal. So that would be cool. Adding void, void years again would clear more than that. And Dawkins is only going to be 30 when he's in the final year of his current contract, which to me means that they could add void years onto the back of this because they assume that they're going to be able to re-sign him uh, to you know a, a decent-sized contract when that time comes. So um, either one of those players, I think, makes a ton of sense. I wouldn't anticipate them doing it with both of them, just so they have the ability to use one, the other one next year, um, a little bit easier. Uh, so those are really the only two candidates, because they've already done this type of contract restructure with several players like Matt Milano, Micah Hyde. Um, you know, they already had big option bonuses for guys like uh, Josh Allen this offseason. Uh, or they re-signed guys like Stefan Diggs. So like he already has a low salary number this year. Same with Von Miller. They already have low salary numbers. So pushing cap space into future years doesn't make a whole lot of sense when they already signed him to those contracts either this season or last offseason and then gave them that huge option bonus this year to prorate that money out. They've already done that. Um, and, or they're the players that have you know high salary figures right now are on expiring contracts. A guy like Tremaine Edmonds. Um, is on an expiring contract. Jordan Poyer is on an expiring contract. Um, I think you could lower either of their um, cap hits by extending them. I just don't think the Bills are like falling all over themselves to extend either of those guys. So it just doesn't really make a whole lot of sense for any other players on the current roster for this kind of contract restructure that we're talking about. So let me explain that contract restructure just for those of you that don't understand what happens. When you take a player's base salary, that all counts in the current season. When you take a player's signing bonus, it's split over the whole entire contract. So if a player has a $10 million salary and four years left on their contract, just to use round numbers, if you take that $10 million salary and you drop it to $2 million, because you have to remember there is a um, there is a salary floor that they have to pay them. So dropping them to say $2 million frees up $8 million in cap space. That money still goes to the player, but instead of paying it as a salary over the course of the season, they give them the $8 million up front. So it's better for the player, it's better for the organization, which is why they always seem to get done so easily. You take that $8 million, you spread it out over the rest of the four years, $2 million each year, and now his cap hit for the current season goes from $10 million to $4 million because it's $2 million in base salary plus $2 million in that signing bonus, new signing bonus money that was part of his salary that's spread out over the contract. Now, it does add to future year cap responsibilities, so you don't want to do it too much, but right now, the Bills are in a window where they're going to do that. Uh, they're going to mortgage the future a little bit to make sure that they can um, be incredibly competitive right now. Going back to the contract we just talked about, um, he has four years left on his deal for $10 million. If they wanted to add a void year onto that, 
prorated signing bonuses are only able to be counted for five years. So it's not like they could do a $20 million contract with a guy and add all these void years on the end of it. But they could add one void year to this person's deal to take it from four years to five years. Now, that $8 million in salary that they're gonna spread out, instead of it being spread out over four years at $2 million a piece, they can spread it out over five years, which would count $1.6 million each year of those deals. And so his cap hit would actually get lower. It would go down to $3.6 million in the current season. Um, but then at the end, that void year cap hit comes due when he's released, retires, or uh, gets traded, or they just, you know, he hits free agency, his contract expires. So that's how the void years work. That's how the contract restructures work. And so there's a little primer I'll drop. I wrote an article about this earlier this offseason as the Bills were starting to use void years, as the Bills were restructuring other contracts, just to kind of explain it. And I'll drop a link to that in our show notes. When we get back, I've got some questions about the salary cap. Now that we've set the table, uh, it's time to dive in. Don't go anywhere. All right, welcome back. P. Martz, one of our frequent commenters, asks us, are the Bills headed for certain salary cap hell? Outside of worse than expected performance from upcoming free agents, what are the worst and best case scenarios from a cap perspective. I don't think they're setting themselves up for certain cap hell. Um, the way I always put it is that everything counts. And so if you push it into the future, it's gonna count in the future. Uh, Brandon Bean has likened it to a credit card and I, you know, I like that one too. At some point, you have to pay out that money in cap that you've paid out in cash. And so, they can keep kicking the can down the road for a while, um, but it's going to limit them. They can't sign everybody. And I know that he uses that excuse when he's talking about players he doesn't really love. Um, so I don't think they're heading for certain cap hell, but they are heading for a place where they won't be able to sign every guy that they want. They won't be able to re-sign certain players they won't be able to have depth like they've had in the past. And you saw that with, say, A.J. Klein getting released this offseason. They've been able to have you know, a really solid, well-paid third linebacker, even though they don't use one, because um, they had the salary cap space. And so they're going to have to keep drafting well. Um, the guy I'm looking at you know, for this conversation is a guy like Gabe Davis, right? Um, Gabe Davis has two years left on his rookie contract. Two years from now, the Bills are going to have significant salary cap investments um, at the wide receiver position. Um, if they re-sign Dawson Knox at the tight end position, um, at left tackle, at um, center, at um, probably not running back on the offense, but like at multiple positions on the offense and, of course, on the defense as well. So are they going to be able to extend a guy like Gabe Davis and make him one of the highest paid receivers in the NFL? Probably not. So, you know, you're choosing essentially between Stefan Diggs and Gabe Davis or Dawson Knox and Gabe Davis, even now when you're making those determinations. And so if you're Brandon Bean, 
A, you have to draft well. And so getting a guy like Khalil Shakir to come in to maybe take over for a Gabriel Davis in two years. Um, or getting you know drafting players now that can take over for, you know, whether you want to release Matt Milano in two years so you draft his replacement in the third round in 2022. You know, I, I thought that that's why a, a cornerback in the first round made a ton of sense because now you've got a cost-controlled cornerback opposite of Tredavious White for the entire length of his deal. And so you don't have to pay two huge cornerback salaries. Um, and so that's what we're kind of looking down the barrel at at wide receiver is, you know, you're, in two years, we're going to have to pay either a huge salary for Gabriel Davis or replace him somehow. So um, that's like when you build position rooms, like are, they're not going to re-sign all four um, young d- defensive ends when they have Von Miller contract. So which of those guys is going to be the odd man out? And, and talking about positional spending, you know, and so not get super heavy into one position group. So all of those things are going to come down the road. Um, I don't think it's going to be a problem in 2022 or 2023. Um, 2024 is the year I'm looking at where, you know, Ed Oliver, Gabe David, like there's a lot of players that are going to be coming up for a new contract after the 2022 and after the 2023 season that a lot of Bills fans really like, even love maybe, and um, aren't going to be re-signed because the Bills aren't going to have cap flexibility. Um, The salary cap could go up considerably because of, say, um, you know, the the online betting stuff coming into the shared pot and, and, you know, coming back from COVID and all of that other stuff. So, new TV deals will be coming online. So I think Brandon Bean's a little bit banking on that. So in that vein, I don't think the Bills are going to be in what I would call salary cap hell, like say the New Orleans Saints are, but um, they are certainly closer to having no cap space than having all the cap space that they could want. And, you know, one unexpected injury, um, like we saw with Eric Wood, can really throw off their salary cap plan. Even the start of the um, one-year pause because of COVID, I think, really threw off their plan at uh, defensive tackle. So, you know, just one thing can can you know throw a you know a wrench into the whole system. Um, but I don't think they're in salary cap hell. They just have to be judicious. And Brandon Bean has shown over and over again that he's capable of doing that and then doing well in the draft so that they have young talent to be able to restock. Thanks for your question over on Twitter, P Marts. We've got another one from Anthony Marino, who says, can the Bills extend Oliver, Knox, Poyer, and Edmonds? Is there any way this is possible? Um, I don't think they, they can extend all four of those players, which is why I think when we started talking about Jordan Poyer wanting a new contract, most people said, they didn't want to do that because of Jordan Poyer's age. Even though he's an all-pro, you know you can't extend everybody. So at some point, we want to get younger and cheaper at that safety spot, even though the Bills really run their defense through that safety position. Um, I think he's the odd man out in your little conversation there. I think they really value pass rush, and Ed Oliver can bring that from the interior of the defensive line. Um, Knox is another player that... I'm not 100% sure they're going to extend. Um, you know, I've got a um, contract projection coming for him 
in the next uh, few days based on the uh, David Njoku contract in Cleveland. And, I mean, he's going to be an expensive player to keep. And I don't know how much value they're going to be able to do with that. Now, if the Bills move to a two tight end set and Dawson Knox starts playing, you know, 80-something percent of snaps, you know, that's a different conversation. But right now, he... He jumped up to 87% of the snaps in 2021, but he was at 58 the year before and 64 in his rookie season. So if he's going to keep playing that many snaps, if he's going to keep getting targeted um, you know, 70 times in a season, then yeah, he should be looking to get that contract extension and the Bills should be willing to pay for it. So I don't think that they can extend all of Oliver, uh, Knox, Poyer, and Edmonds. And Edmonds is the one that's going to be a real interesting one to watch because the way they talk about Edmonds, they love him. Uh, they're able to do things on defense because of his length underneath. Um, he's such a physical freak. The Bills really love his athleticism and what he brings to the table, but the guy's going to get like $19 million a year. Does he make enough big plays to justify that? And I'm leaning towards no. And if I'm leaning towards no, even if I was leaning towards yes, I wouldn't want to pay him that much money that he's going to get, like that that amount of guaranteed money that he's going to get. Um, I want to be 100% sure of a guy that I'm committing that much money to. So I'm I'm a lot closer to being an Edmonds apologist than an Edmonds critic, and even I don't want to give him the type of contract I think he's going to earn. So um, I think you know, in order of most likely to least likely, I think you're talking about. Um, Ed Oliver is probably the most likely. Then Dawson Knox, they might be one in one A and one B, like right at the very top. Then I think Edmonds would be more the most, the next most likely uh, to be extended, with Poyer all the way at the bottom. Thanks for your question on Twitter, Anthony Marino, and make sure that you check out his podcast. It's the Breaking Buffalo Rumblings podcast on the Buffalo Rumblings podcast network. Sean Joyce asks us. Are we screwed in 2024 if we push back any money in 2023 with JAs or TWs or anyone else's contracts? No, I don't think we're screwed. Um, I think that we can push back salary in 2023. The Bills built an option bonus into Josh Allen's contract when they signed him last offseason, <clears throat> guaranteeing him a huge payday in 2022, early th- this offseason, but spreading out that cap hit over multiple years. Next year, he doesn't have a roster bonus on the books, but he does have $27.5 million in base salary. So if they wanted to, they could spread that out over five years like we talked about earlier this offseason. And then, uh, you know, it would only cost like five million. They could free up $20 million just by doing that um, next offseason. And so it would spread it out, like I said, over the next several years of the um, the salary cap and taking a look at their cap commitments beyond 2022 per spot track they're already over the 2023 salary cap the projected one I should say so maybe it'll go up from there and they won't be you know that much over um, and then in 2024 they're 22 million dollars under the projected salary cap but they probably only have yeah let's see they only have 42 players under contract for the 2024 season so obviously that will change and be different they'll be able to spread out some of von miller's money if they want to you know they'll 
they'll be able to keep playing the, the salary cap games that they've been able to play over the last year or two. <clears throat> but at some point, they have to let some of those aging veterans move on. You know, um, Jordan Poyer is on, has one year left on his deal. Micah Hyde has two. Um, they're going to have to start planning for a life without those two guys on the roster, just like they had to start planning for a life without Jerry Hughes um, over the last couple seasons. So to circle back to your question, Sean, I don't think they're going to be in trouble in 2024 if they push back some of that cap space in 2023. Um, but they, like I said, they do have to start planning for life without some of those veterans. Um, and that goes back to, you know, P-Mart's question, are they in for certain cap hell coming up? It goes back to Anthony's question about being able to re-sign guys. Um, they're going to have to get creative with the salary cap stuff, but the most important thing they're going to have to do is keep drafting well. And as players, you know, reach contract status, they're going to have to re-sign great, not good players. Um, and so that brings me back to the Tremaine Edmonds conversation. Is he really good or is he one of the top linebackers in the league? Because you're going to be paying him like one of the top linebackers in the league. And that's an expensive position to be in if you don't think he's elite. If he is elite, if he has measurables that you can't replicate, sign um, And I think Brandon Bean will do the right call. All right, that's going to do it for this week's episode. We already went over 20 minutes. As always, you can send in your questions for next week's episode at 716-508-0405. You can tweet us at rumblings Q&A. That's with the word and spelled out in the middle. Buffalo rumblings at sbnation.com is the email address. Send in those questions. Please, please, please tell a friend if you like our show or any of the shows on the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network. It's the best way for us to gain new listeners is by word of mouth. Thanks, as always, and go Bills.